So last week we were at the first part of chapter 2 where it has the great revelation of who, who Jesus is. You know, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to hold on to or grasp, but became a servant and humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we talked about humility and unity and obedience last week. And so this week we're going we're to continue on in verse 12. Um, and it's going to it's going to get it's going to get better even. So uh, verse 12 of Philippians two, let's just read it. You can follow along. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing or complaining, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So what is this? It says work out your your own salvation. What does what does that mean? You know, you think about that phrase. It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's kind of one of those one of those phrases that sounds cool if you just say it and then you go. Uh, yeah, what is that? Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Let's just go to the next verse. <laughs> But what Paul is talking about here is this, is not that you save yourself. In other words, it's not that it's not by your own ability that you save yourself. It's not by suddenly being a good person that you save yourself. It's not by doing the right thing that you save yourself. It's not if you try hard enough and read your Bible every day, then you're going to you're going to be saved. What he, he's not saying that what he is saying is you get to participate. What he is saying is this, you have to give your will to him. What is your will? That's your desires. That's your that's your choice maker. In other words, when your will belongs to God, then guess what? It says he actually it says he works to will in you and to act according to his good purpose. So there's a partnership between you and the spirit of God. Because he's got the first verse that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why does he say fear and trembling? Because God's holy. We kind of forgot that. Some, like in the modern church, we don't really focus on that. We focus on the love of God, which is good. Because we need to focus on the love of God. But there's also a part of God where he's a little bit scary. Scary. 
Where it's like, this is serious. This is life or death situations. Following Jesus is about life or death. It's, it's not about just a nice thing to do. It's not to become a good per- person. It's not so you don't, you know, you know, so you can have a good life and raise up, you know, three to whatever kids you have and, and be happy and have good, nice school pictures and, you know, post it on social media and send your five by seven or, or whatever the other size is to your grandparents and say, look at our family. We look so happy and we're so amazing. It's not so we can just have a good life. It's, it's so that we're transformed into the image of Jesus and we live a life that, that sh- displays the gospel. You have to participate. God is not going to do it all, even though God's going to do it all. That's kind of what he's saying here, right? Hey, work really hard, but God's going to work it in you. Do it with fear and trembling, but he's going to give you the desire to do it. So there's a partnership. There's a co-laboring with God. There's a participation with the Holy Spirit where you have to realize when you come into a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Guess what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He always wants to obey Jesus. Every single time. He doesn't have to try. He doesn't have to like decide. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be in a good mood. He doesn't have to feel physically well. He does. He always feels physically well, I guess, without a physical body, but whatever. <laughs> he's fine. He's good. But he's always wanting and desiring to do the will of God. And so when, when you become a believer in Jesus, it says that he puts his spirit in you. So now you have someone, not just something. You don't have something in you. You have someone in you who is always pushing you to say, I am going after Jesus. I am following God. I am going to choose to love people because I've got love in my heart. I don't have to work up the love. Now I've got love in my heart. I don't have to make it happen. God is stirring it up in me. But I do have to let it out. I do have to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, there's a part of me that says, whoa, God is working in my life. Sometimes it's to scare you. I think that's what Paul is saying. You should be nervous every once in a while in the presence of God. Like, whoa. Have you ever done that where God did something through you? And you just go, whoa. You're you're very aware that you're not God. That you don't deserve what he's doing through you. That, you know, you pray for someone and something amazing happens. And you know you know earlier that day, you said, a bad, you said the wrong word to somebody. You, you became angry with your, well, we'll just use a spouse, for example, because, you know, that never happens. You said something earlier to your spouse, and then you're like, oh, man, and then God, then God does something through your life. That's when, you get, that's when you recognize the fear and trembling. You're like going, whoa. This is, this is not about me, but this is a little bit scary that, God, you love me so much that you're going to still use me even when I mess up. And so that, should, that causes a little bit of good fear and trembling. Not bad fear and trembling, not running away from God. It, it makes you draw closer to God. But we get to participate in this life. But the good news is, the second part, which I've already said, but... It is God who works in you. 
Probably should just say that right now. God is working in me. Can you say that? God is working in me. Say it again. God is working in me. Sound, uh, I almost believed at that time. <laughs> Sometimes you need, to, you need to line yourself up and say, no, I'm not a complete loser. I have the authority that Jesus, that Jesus has given me. Yes, he's the champion, but he's also filled me with his Holy Spirit to become a champion with him. I don't get the glory. He gets the glory, but I get to participate in the victory. He's always the MVP. I won't go there. <laughs> My team lost last night. It's over. <laughs> the MVP. Guess what? The, the MVP is always on what? The winning team, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter how well you play on the losing team, right? But if you're a guest, I'm a Dodgers baseball fan. I grew up in Los Angeles, California area. So uh, the Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series instead of the Dodgers. That's okay. They're, they're nice guys too. Um, but the most valuable player is that one guy who did everything in the series, hit the home runs, did all the stuff. Did, you know, every time he comes up, something good happens. Jesus is the MVP. But everybody else gets to be on the team that's a son or daughter of the King of Kings. And he says, guess what? I'm going to work in you, and you get to participate in my victory. And the more you participate, the guess what? The more you want to. The more you will and you do. The more you follow God, the more you want to follow God. Why? Because you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're participating in the process that God is working in the inside of you to change the outside of you. He has to change the inside first before the outside's changed, right? You don't suddenly become a patient man and not blow up in anger if there's not peace in your heart. It has to be, you have to be changed on the inside where there is rest in your soul. And then when there's rest in your soul, guess what? You don't react under stress. Because he begins to work and to will according to his good purpose. And then you begin to be transformed and changed and you look more like Jesus. Not because you're a great person, but because you're participating in the work of salvation in your life. Paul's here, the word for salvation here, the idea of the context is not, you know, just you're saved from hell and you go to heaven. It's about your, the salvation. In other words, the transformation and the change in your life that happens day by day as you follow Jesus in the community of faith. And so he says, how do, how do we do? Well, let me read, the, let me read this one scripture. It's, it's Galatians 2.20. It's not on the screen there. Uh, you know, Paul says this in a different way in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, that cr but Christ liveth in me. Or lives in me, liveth. Man, that was really back when I was like four years old, the King James, right? <clears throat> It's a good, there's probably some good songs that came out with that, that. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, what's the point? It's like, how? wait, I live, but he lives. 
There's the there's both happening in my life because God is at work with me, but I get to choose to participate and allow him to do because he's not looking for robots. If God was looking for robots, he would you know, he just change you and you'd be perfect. It hasn't happened yet. Even Super Dave's not perfect, right? <laughs> for those of you that are guests, it's a nickname we have for Pastor Dave. Or somebody has for him. So we get to participate in that. So then Paul goes on in verse 14. He says, so how do we do this? Here's one of the great ways that we get to do this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing or complaining. Uh-oh. This is where I, where I get off track. <laughs> and my wife tells me, be kind, right? Tell me. <laughs> Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Oh, man. Our country, blah, blah, blah. Have you seen the news? Blah, blah, blah. Wait, what am I doing there? Uh, kind of grumbling, right? <laughs> In fact, they have, they have, they have whole, whole radio stations, like talk radio. It's called grumbling about the government. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't listen to those things, but it kind of gets wrapped up in that. It depends on who's, what side is in charge. The other side says, this is horrible. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. And then when the other side gets in charge, the other side goes back. They were all great. Like, yeah, this is amazing. This is paradise. We have the best leaders ever, best president ever. And then the other side is like, you know, no, that's the worst person in the world. Now we switch it around. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. In other words, you're, we are going to stand out if we live a life of thanksgiving instead of a life of grumbling and complaining and arguing and murmuring. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a story when they went into the promised land. It's from Numbers chapter 14. Uh, they, it's several chapters before that. And so they go into the promised land. They send the spies in, right? There's 12 spies. And God's people are being taken from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. So they send in 12 spies. So just check it out. We've got to spy out the land before we're going to fight for this promised land. There's a great picture of, of, of salvation, too. They had to fight to receive the promised land. Anyway, um, so they go in, and there's 12 spies, and it's a very scary place. There's all kinds of giants, it says. It says there's big walls. It says the cities are fortified. It says these guys have been trained, you know, in, in warfare. And they come back, and 10 of the spies say, turn around. It's over, man. Just drink the Kool-Aid now and just die, okay? It's, we're not going to make it. I saw giants. I mean, there was some amazing stuff there, but it, we're too small. We, we don't have enough. Uh, we, don't know how to, we don't know how to fight well enough. But then there were two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who said, no, this is the promise of God. This is the promise of God. Let's go in right now. We don't even need to wait until tomorrow. Right now, we're going in. We're going to take the promised land. And so what happens is the community, everybody's there listening to the report. 
And it, and it says that they begin to grumble to one another. You always almost need somebody else to grumble with, right? You just want somebody to hear you, right? You're like, hey, you know, I mean, did, you, did you know about this? Let me tell you about my wife. <laughs> you know my kids? Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you about my kids. My boss. You talk, yeah, do you talk about your boss? <laughs> that was so wrong, right? My boss. I'll go over here to Jerry instead. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Kind of annoying sometimes, you know. And we, when you grumble, you want somebody to listen to you. I mean, we usually don't complain too much on our own, right? You want to post. I mean, that's why social media is so famous, right? So everybody can do that publicly. <laughs> they show you an amazing picture and then blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Or like this or whatever. Paul is saying, guess what? The people of God are a different kind of people. They do everything, even the stuff that they don't want to do, even the stuff that's hard, even the stuff that goes against what they want to see happen in the world, in their lives, whatever. They do it without grumbling and complaining. And they don't spread the bad report to one another because grumbling is contagious. And it says, in Numbers 14, it says, so the bad report spread. There were two reports. There was a good one and a bad one. But only the bad one spread. I feel like sometimes, for us as the people of God, we have to know there's always a good report. God is always saying something good. There is always promise in every situation. It is never, you know, as... As David was saying earlier, it's like it's never like the end. Like, oh, well, sorry. It's over. Fourth quarter, time's up. The clock has expired. With Jesus, it doesn't matter if the clock's expired, right? He's like, I can reset the clock. I can turn back the clock. I can make a new clock. I can do whatever I want to do because with me, it's not done until I say it's done. And there's always a good report. And you had two men who were sharing the good report and ten who were sharing the bad report. The people still had a choice. Just as us as people, we always have a choice. Do I want to line up with the bad report or do I want to line up with the good report? In other words, what is God saying in this moment? If I hear all the bad stuff that's going on from a family member, whatever, from a friend, and they're saying something, you know, and they're just... Kind of dumping on you, you know, people, they need a dump. Sometimes they need a vent, and that's not necessarily bad if you're, in a, you're healthy and ready to receive that. But what do you do? You're looking for what is the good report? What is God saying in this moment? Is it all bad and there's no hope? We should say, yeah, just give up. <laughs> no, they don't want you to hear. They're already thinking they want to give up. They need somebody to say, I hear the voice of God and there's hope. I hear the voice of God and I see something changing. I see, I see a promise here. I'm reminded of a scripture that says this and God is saying this to you right now. Hold on to this scripture. Then the good report can be begin to spread because good reports spread too. 
It's just a matter of which report are we going to spread. Are we going to spread the report of the Lord? Or are we going to spread the report of the devil? All through the wandering the wilderness of the people of God in the book of Exodus and a little bit in Numbers, what does it say over and over again? They just started to complain. Like complaining just gets you so far off track. They got them so far off track that they were like this. Let's go back and be slaves. I mean, how bad is your your mind messed up when you go, just make me a slave again. That was way better than this. Because when when you're meditating, really, to say something over and over again, to think about it over and over again, that's meditating. So really, grumbling is a form of meditation. It's just going over all the bad stuff over and over again. It could be in your head. It could be out loud. It could be with your best friend. It could be on social media. You're just letting it go. It's, it's rehashing. And guess what? It produces death. But if I hold on to what does it say on this, then you'll shine like stars. In other words, you'll look different if you don't complain. As you hold firmly to what? The word of life. So there's always a good report. There's always the word of life that's there that says God is doing something good. The promise of God is still true. Jesus is still the same. He hasn't changed. Jesus did not change. He has not changed throughout history. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says in Hebrews 13, 8. And so Jesus is still the same. His word is still the same. And I have to hold on to what? The word of life. I don't want to hold on to the word of death. Really, complaint is in some ways holding on to a word of death. Thing that's going to produce nothing good. But the word of life produces peace, produces hope, produces deliverance, produces breakthrough. How are you holding on? It's like you're holding on to a lifeline. Sometimes we need to hold on to the word of God like, like it's, it's that or nothing else. I mean, what if we held on to God's word like this is it? This is my only hope. This, you know, if you're hanging out of a, I don't know, an airplane or something. <laughs> you know, those action movies, right? Is it, anybody watch action movies? I don't really anymore, but... You know, there's always somebody hanging off something, right? There's some amazing thing, and they hang off the wire, and they do something amazing. And, you know, the stuntman is doing that, not the cool guy you think. You know, he just sits there and watches. Awesome. Okay. Um, and so, but what, you don't let go of that, of that line. You're, you're not going to, because that's, that's the only thing between you and death, is that line that you're holding on to. And sometimes I think we need to hold on to the word of God. Like this is the lifeline right here. The word of life. And I hold on to the word of life. And I'm not going to die. Spiritually so to speak. Or I'm not going to see destruction in my family. I'm not going to see you know, a, a re, uh, rehearsing of, of bad behavior and patterns in our, my relationships. Hold fast to the word of life. And then Paul ends with this. He says, as you hold firmly, then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. In other words, he's saying, look, I poured my life into you and I'm believing that God's going to do. He's going to bring forth fruit in your life. He's going to bring change in your life. 
But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. You know, in the Old Testament, they had all kinds of sacrifices. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, they, they used to have the sin offerings and the guilt offerings. And they'd, you know, they have the Passover offering. They have all the different offerings. And one of the offerings they would do is at the end of some of the other offerings, they would, they would do a drink, what they called a drink offering. And so they'd take a cup of wine and they'd just pour it out as an offering. And so what Paul is saying is this. If he had a, if, you know, I'm not going to pour this out because there's stuff, something still in it. But he's saying this. I've given everything. There, there's nothing left in the cup. Because I'm, I'm laying it all out for Jesus. You know, some, some of us, we want to we wanna have the lid on still. Right? Can I just, there's just a little bit in there. <laughs> can, I just, can I just keep the lid on a little bit, God? Can I just, can I just, can I just hold on to a few things, Lord? I don't, I don't want to have everything surrendered to you. Like this, this, this one thing over here, I'm just going to take care of it myself. I, I just can't let go of this. And God says, you've got you to be poured out. Just like Paul says, I'm pouring myself out for all of you. And I'm leaving nothing there. They poured out the entire cup when they gave a drink offering. And Paul is saying, I'm going to pour out my entire life. There's no lid. I'm trusting that if I need to be filled up again, Jesus can fill me up again. But I'm going to, what, I'm going to empty myself. That's what he said that Jesus did in this passage before where it says Jesus emptied himself. Because Paul was always saying, I'm looking to you, Jesus. And he says, so we should get to be glad and you'll rejoice with me. In other words, there's going to be joy released. Sometimes we think surrendering to God, we're going to like lose something or be sad or be like, oh man, that... I'm giving this up for the Lord and like it's so hard. But when you get on the other side, when you get on the other side, there's, there's always joy. You don't ever go, oh man, I wish I would go back to that thing I used to do. <laughs> I, I haven't met anybody who said that. I mean, there's some people that end up going back, but they're miserable. They're not happy. They're not like, oh yeah, I left that now. My life's great. I mean, they may say that, but you can tell there's no joy in their life. When you give up something and surrender to the Lord, you will receive joy. You will receive joy. Because you'll, you'll, you'll re, there's nothing better than being freed by Jesus. No matter what it is. I mean, it could be just something that looks so small. It doesn't have to be some huge addiction in your life. It could be just this attitude in your life that you're like, I'm going to give that up to you, Lord. This attitude I have towards this one person, I'm just, I'm just letting it go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender it to you. I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to take off the lid. I'm going to pour it out. And that's it. And God says, guess what? You're going you're gonna to receive joy. You're going to re- receive that joy into your life. And so we can follow this example of, of Paul that he encourages the people of God. God is at work in you, but you get to work it out with him. Amen? So let's stand. <clears throat> we'll have our leaders up here to pray. If you need prayer for something specific... Before you go, we will invite you up here to the front to receive prayer. If you need healing in your body, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, 
don't leave here without making Jesus your Lord and your Savior. That you can ask us any question. You can say, why are, you know, I went to another church and they treated me badly. That, that could be true. But Jesus is holding out his hands and saying, no, today, today you need to give me your heart. Today is the day you can change. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of mercy. Today is the day of freedom. And so if that's you, don't leave here without receiving prayer. So let me pray over every single one of us, and then we'll invite the leaders up. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, and we are holding on to the word of life. God, I pray for anyone who's in a situation where they feel like they cannot get out of it, Lord, that they would grab hold of the word of life right now. They would grab hold of the good report. They would grab hold of the promise that you're holding out that says, I am still he. I am still good. I have not abandoned you. I am true. I will not lie to you. I will not betray you. We hold on to your words of life, God. And we thank you, Lord. We repent where our mouths have lined up with the word of death. Lord, we choose not to grumble and complain, but to live a life of freedom and thanksgiving and joy and blessing and truth. That we know the truth and the truth will set us free, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can pour out our lives. Lord, any one of us, God, some of us in here may be struggling with something where we know, God, that you're telling us, surrender this to me, whatever it may be. Maybe it's not even a bad thing, but God says, I want you not to do this anymore. It's not that it's a sin for everybody else. It's just for you. I'm asking you to give this up. I'm asking you to lay this down at the altar and say, I'm not going to do this because there's freedom and joy on the other side. And so we thank you, God. Anything that we need to give to you right now, we just, we just surrender. We surrender to you, O oh Lord. Anything, we need, anything you need to lay down, just take a second to say, God, I just surrender this to you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being at work in us. Thank you that God is at work in each and every one of us. Lord, we're thankful for your work in us, that you're working to will and to do, that you're changing our desires, you're changing the things we want to do. We're being changed on the inside out, and we look more and more like Jesus, so we'll shine brightly. Everyone's going to recognize the difference in us because Jesus is at work in me. And so we thank you for that, God. We thank you for family members noticing differences in us. God, we thank you for co-workers noticing differences in us. Lord, we thank you for neighbors noticing differences in us. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in this room noticing differences in us because we are being changed. We are being transformed and our salvation is being worked out, Lord, and we are in awe. Lord, we, we sometimes are scared, Lord. We're, we worship you. Lord, and we recognize that you're holy and you are totally other than us, God. You are, you are God and we are not. And so we humble ourselves before you this very day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up, leaders. If you're a leader and are praying today, come on up. Don't leave without receiving prayer if you need prayer for anything. <laughs>